Here we, we go, go again. Yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate and John. And John, are you ready? Yes, because sir. today we will recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night, which was headlined by Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. And no UFC this week, so we're going to roll it straight into the news, but boy, yeah. do we have a lot to talk about. The biggest topics, probably the biggest news so far this year, and that is Francis Ngannou's blockbuster contract. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about it, and we will also play some clips uh, through Dana White's response last night after UFC Fight Night and give our response on that as well, give you guys our thoughts. Also, major fight announcements mm-hmm. two huge cards kind of in response to this we'll talk about it right. <laughs> um lomachenko and haney conor mcgregor news it's it's a, there's a lot happening yeah. this week so actually not a bad week mm-hmm. uh to, to to not have some fights to preview because right. there's so much to get to um so a little bit of a uh, different episode for the neon belly podcast but all that and more john how we doing episode 134 of the neon belly podcast or as some people are calling it the highest recorded temperature on earth episode of the Neon Belly podcast. John, what would you do? Living a, nightmare. What would you Just do? Just a living nightmare. In 134 degree Die. weather. Die. <laughs> I would cease to exist. I'd probably uh, melt. 134 degrees Fahrenheit. I believe that's like 55 degrees Celsius. If yeah. my mental math, math is right on that. I don't know. Somebody can fact check me. Death Valley, I believe it was in like mm. 1911. So I mean, you could have told me that happened when we were in Miami. And I'd have been like, yeah, 134 <laughs> definitely feels like it. Not much uh, difference in temperature for John between 88 and 134 yeah. degrees. You start getting even more close to triple digits, and I might as well end up being the dude off the bench warmers. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Well, as we mentioned off top there, a lot to get to. Um, We were kind of joking like, man, this is going to be a quick episode. And then, you know, Tuesday, big news. Wednesday, big news. You know, Mm -hmm. Thursday, I mean, I think. Or no, it all really kind of came out Tuesday. So uh, we've got a lot. Let's make sure we get to it, even if that means we get out of here early. But I feel like every time we say that, we said that last week. It's like our longest episode ever. And ironically, last week we were talking about quality and quantity, and now we don't have fights. So There you go. But before we get to our fights, to recap for this week, Mackenzie Dern versus Angela Hill. John, race up, follow, let the people know. All right, all my people who have Apple Podcasts that are listening to us on Spotify, iHeart, wherever you're listening to us at, uh, we need you to, to hook us up with a five-star review. Helps us out a lot. You can actually leave us a written review in Apple Podcasts. Once again, that helps us out a lot. Um, those are just the type of things that push us up and push us further so we can do more and just reach more people. Um, also, we're on social media, Neon Belly Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, Neon Belly Pod on Twitter, where we try to do is the best we can of tweeting with fights and events that are going on. Um, yeah, if you can come us out on there, Neon Belly Podcast helps us out a ton. We love interacting with you guys, so please come through. Absolutely, John. Let's get to it. Our main event this last Saturday, this past Saturday, Mackenzie Dern mm. defeats Angela Hill via unanimous decision uh john mckenzie dern has exercised <laughs> yeah. her demons divorce dern is different dog <laughs> i mean uh yeah we're not making fun of the uh, divorce there i mean obviously that's a serious thing but man uh she showed up for a street fight right in this main event all gas from the beginning throwing hands like her dang life depended on it uh 
even dropped Hill in round one. Yeah. Like, what? Hello. Um, I think Hill actually did a good job coming back in that round two and utilizing her greatest weapon and asset coming into this fight, which was the clinch. Um, mm -hmm. I did give her that round two. And then that knee from Dern in round three. I mean... How mm. Hill ate that, the world may never know. No. Uh, but somehow she survived no. <laughs> and even survived about two minutes of being mounted by Mackenzie Dern, which, again, super tough. Uh, one thing that you cannot question about Angela Hill today is her toughness. Mm -hmm. All dog uh, yeah. here from Overkill in this fight. Uh, I thought round four was a bit closer, uh, but Dern probably still edged it out as mm -hmm. well. I think the judges all gave her round four as well. Um but really, I thought, especially after round four, Angie Hill just looked defeated. Uh, I mean, she was kind of just getting pounded on out mm -hmm. there at this point. And round five was just a lot more of Mackenzie Dern, right? Right. Um, but great win for her. Um, gets her first UFC main event here. win here. Your thoughts? Man, I was... And I bring up the divorce thing because she talked about how that impacted, yeah, you know, yeah, the so, camp and, and everything quick, that's been going on with her. Last week, you know, I... I kind of alluded to the personal stuff, right? right. But I, I always kind of feel weird. Like, not saying we never will or never do, but like, especially stuff like that. Like, she hadn't really spoken about it and stuff. Right. So I was like, I kind of felt weird bringing it up. But she was like, open book. Like, she yeah. was like, we'll, we'll talk about whatever. And she, you know, aired all her grievances mm -hmm. from this past uh, camp or going into it last couple of months since we've seen her last. So right. yeah, go ahead. Just yeah, wanted so, to reference that off top. Yeah, so just to see the turnaround from her last performance to this, um, is what I was when I made the pick was thinking you know you have this time you didn't have your best performance and she seems to have grown every time and yeah. this is just another I mean this is yeah. a huge step to me to be able to to strike the way she was the gas tank was there mm -hmm. it seemed like the first round she had a really great round second round great adjustments by Hill third round looked a lot like the first round yeah outside of the, I mean the knee was a bigger thing yeah, in the third but too. even just the way she was controlling that things was such a clean knee like like I said I mean I just it was no nuts. we've seen that knee a yeah. couple times this year and what it's done has been knockout of the year yeah you know it's just Angela Hill is just really really tough yeah it's crazy um but yeah I mean I just can't this is probably one of the best overall performances by Dern as far as putting it all together. Yeah. She was very dangerous on the ground. I mean, she almost had an arm bar like three or four times. Luckily, Angela Hill had enough time to just kind of really fight it and dog it out for, you know, yeah. a 28-second shot clock at the end of rounds. But yeah, just a really great performance by Dern. And, and like you said, Hill is just a dog, man. The, those elbows that she was taking on the ground yeah. were just disgusting. And even with the personal stuff as well, because um, I did factor that into my pick for mm -hmm. Hill in this fight. And, and to be honest, you know, hearing everything that she had to overcome was even worse than what I thought. Yeah. You know, like I said, divorce is tough. It sucks. Um, but had I known the details of it, which she, you know, gave out this fight week or leading up to this fight uh, and everything that she went through. I would have not only kept my Angela Hill pick, but I would have like tripled down. Yeah, Perillo wasn't there because he was with Luke Rockwell yeah. for the bare knuckle for a lot of that. And, and I and felt, when she said that, you know, I kind of felt a bit like, because I, I mean, I think Jason Perillo is just obviously top notch, one of the best coaches in, in, in MMA. And I'm like, man, how do you leave, you know, like one of your biggest pupils behind? But I also, for a bare knuckle fight, to corner Luke Rockhold in this bare knuckle fight. Mm -hmm. But I also understand it because uh, Perillo and Rockhold have, like, I think it's even more than just a trainer coach. You know, that's like friends. So mm -hmm. 
that guy would probably walk through fire with Luke Rockhold. You know what I mean? So I kind of did understand that. I'm sure it was tough for Perillo to even do that to Dern and, and kind of leave her hanging for, what was it, a week or two or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, Dern, just, just for all of that, though, gets even more points in my book for this, um, not just to be fighting and performing like this. As a mom to begin with, you know, I couldn't imagine how incredibly tough that is a single mom now i'm not saying her and her husband aren't co-parenting don't know the details of that but anytime you're doing something like that alone i'm sure it just adds more stress and pressure um and your fight got moved another week yeah she she talked about gym issues you know trying to figure out something about i don't know if she owns a gym or something with that with her husband. i don't know but just so much credit to her for going out and doing that And and i think getting back to the fight what you said is yeah still i think a lot of room for some growth in there from dern um I think maybe the physicality kind of shocked Angela Hill a little bit, but not that like Dern is not shown that in the past, mm-hmm. but just definitely not to this level, I think. And it, I think it kind of like definitely uh, threw Hill off a little Hill bit. Hill can never get comfortable in the stand up. Every time yeah. she tried to, Dern was charging and landing big right hands and then getting to the yeah. clinch. Um, I do felt like she tried to spam that trip, like the judo throws and the trips a lot in situations. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think Angela Hill did have her best moments against the cage, being able to hold her and throw knees to the body Sure, because of um, McKenzie kind of just exclusively looking for that and not even trying to disengage, but trying to get to that. But yeah, when it did get to the ground, although Angela Hill had really good submission defense. Yeah. I mean, we just know what Dern is at this point as far as her level of grappling, especially on top of people. Yeah, I just yeah, I just think there's still a lot of growth there in the stand-up. Again, much improved. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, as she starts, you look up this strawweight division. It's right. littered with just phenomenal strikers. Like, mm-hmm. most of the women at the top um, are really good in that department um, and could still, I think, give her troubles, especially now if people are kind of game-planning for that forward pressure and her just kind of coming into things. But, nonetheless... Phenomenal showing here. Mm-hmm. She did call for a fight with Rose Namajunas or the rematch with Jan Shaunown. Both great shouts. I-, I like both of those fights, but my problem is I think a matchup between Rose and Jan yeah. is actually the best fight to make here. Right. Um, and, and unfortunately, I feel like that's going to kind of leave Dern on the outside because we'll get to in the news, but the fact that Jan Shaunown isn't fighting for the title, the strawweight title next Unless you view Mackenzie Dern as a number one contender right now, if she were to beat Yan Chanown, that would mean that her next fight would really have to be for a title because that's mm-hmm. where Yan Chanown is. Um, and I just don't see that yet with Dern. You know, right. um, I think a better matchup for Dern for her next fight would be uh, Vina Janji Doba. Um, I think that's a more probable matchup and it makes a little bit more sense for Dern. Uh, you know, Janji Doba is ranked just above her. She is coming off that win over Marina Rodriguez. And Vina has more submission wins than Dern and is probably one of the few ladies who can match her on the ground. So I think it could be an interesting matchup, right? Because mm-hmm. one thing that Mackenzie Dern has kind of held on to and always had that advantage is in the sta- uh, the ground, you know. So what if she has a lady that can come in and match that a little bit? Again, you know, Janji Doba is probably not as decorated obviously as a grappler as Mackenzie Dern is but in terms of MMA grappling 13 submission victories I mean you you can't deny that it would be a tougher test for Dern and it may force her to win it on the feet and really challenge her in a way that I don't know that we've been able to see yet you know does that Mm -hmm. kind of make sense like somebody that she can't just run in and front headlock and try to pull over you know so well I had seen some rumors of them trying to do Tatiana Suarez and her 
not official, but just some like rumblings on Twitter and stuff. But there is definitely yeah. that's definitely a matchup I think from Dern, especially when you have Carla Esparza being out with uh, the pregnancy, having yeah. a kid. She's not even able to do anything. So the top of that's really locked up right now. So yeah, that's probably the best option if they don't go the other way. Yeah, and I mean again, if they said Bros or Jan, <clears throat> it wouldn't shock me, and, and and it wouldn't be. I mean, I guess it would. I, I can't lie because I don't feel like as impressive of as a win that was is like, I don't look at Mackenzie Dern and think like she's ready to fight for a world title next year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I'd like to see her in another one and, and see if, you know, she can even improve on what we just saw the improvements that we've just seen over, uh, overall in her game. So mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I thought the Vina Janji, Doba just kind of made a little bit of sense there looking right. at the rankings as well. I think Dern is eight right now. Janji Doba's, Six, Six yeah. yeah. So makes a little bit of sense coming off a win. So yeah, great, great win for for Dern and, and to kind of keep get back on the hype train she was on before that last loss. I agree, John. In our co-main event, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez defeats Edmund Shabazian via third round TKO. Man, uh, Shabazian came out super sharp and super dangerous in this fight, I thought. Um, but we said it last week, you know, death taxes and Fluffy gonna bang, bro, you know? Um, and I and really by the end of round one, I think you could see that the pace that Shabazian came out with had really faded. Um, and credit to him because he defended choke after choke from Fluffy in round two. And we said last week that guillotine is Fluffy's A game. You know, that's what he's looking for. That's what he's hunting for. I think he threw up or threw on like seven of them in that round two that Shabazian had to defend for his life. Even different styles. Like it wasn't just the same one either. Absolutely. But in round three, Fluffy opens up with a big double leg, finishes with the elbows. That's now four straight wins for him. Uh, Three of those four by finish. What a performance this was. Um, But was it enough to see his name enter the top 15 of the UFC middleweight division? I don't know what what much more he could do at this point, given the the win streak and the opponents, a win like Edwin Shabazian, the fact that he's finishing. But if you look at even just right inside that top fifteen, man, it is gonna it's a tough matchup. You know, there are some tough fights in there, and I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You know, obviously we record the day before these episodes come out on Monday. It will be interesting to see if his name's in there. I would probably guess not, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, but your thoughts on the matchup and performance? Yeah, man, I thought um, Edmund was using his his jab and his striking really good early, but like you said, he just kind of faded out toward the end. And then once it got to the second, that second round was probably one of the most grueling things I've ever watched. Like as yeah. far as to, to imagine how oh. Sabajian felt, and I think he said after the finish that you think he like broke his rib or something like that. I thought I heard. I think it was. Uh, I think it was. It was either in between the first and second or the second and third yeah. round. Yeah, but, but I mean when you're. When you got a guy like Fluffy oh, that's just dude. chaining takedown after takedown, those some of those level changes are like, and they did a. I actually thought on commentary they did a good job of like really trying to like explain to people how like next level and impressive some of those level. Ch- I mean, it's just it's demoralizing, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just couldn't imagine. And and that's the thing too, like you know. Is he going to be in the top fifteen? Maybe not, especially with the way that the, the like it's you tough. said the the fifteen to yeah. you know ten is. Yeah. But do I think he could beat those guys? I do. Yeah. I think he has a skill set to be a really bad matchup for a lot of guys. And I think I said last week is you know even if it doesn't get him in, you know it should earn him a top fifteen matchup. But the problem for Fluffy is right now that I've sat down and I've looked at it. Everyone inside the top 15 is pretty much booked up, you know, unless they want to give him Roman Delize, who's all the way up at nine and he's sitting there um, without an opponent. There just isn't anyone 
under that that's booked or not booked. You know, everybody's got to fight. Go ahead. Well, what does become interesting is Kelvin's ranked number 11. With Kelvin going to welterweight, maybe they move. And I guess they do keep him in there until somebody takes that spot because we have there's other guys. I mean, are, like I think Hamzat's still ranked, and he's you know there right, is there's, yeah. it, it will be interesting because he hasn't even fought at welterweight quite I, yet. Yeah, I don't know that they'll move Kelvin out of middle. That that is an interesting idea. I didn't even think about that. There is a chance they could do that, but I think even if not giving him a guy like Roman Dolidze, I think you could give him a big like, and especially if he doesn't end up ranked after this week, which I would be, again, I don't think he will be, although I wouldn't be surprised. I think mm-hmm. he deserves it. You could do a big non-ranked matchup between him and Kyle Bohayo, um, but I kind of just hate when they do that and match up guys so early, especially if they're both unranked. Yeah. Like, you know, like, do that, at least let both of them get a number, and then maybe, if you have to, by proxy do it, but... Right. Um, I just don't know who you give. Well, him. in the middleweight, we've seen that they're not um, afraid to give an unranked guy a high-ranked fighter. So, and and man, maybe they do throw him a, a, in there against Dolidze. You know, Dolidze is coming off that loss to Vittori, so it's mm-hmm. not like he's even coming off of a win. Where usually you're coming off of a win, you're looking up, not down. So maybe they will throw him a guy like that. But again, you got Bohayo, who's in a very similar situation to Fluffy, sitting there without a fight right, right now as well. Who he could. Make a call for that. Well, then you got Derek Brunson too. I don't know if he's like fully retired yet. If he's on the field, so if he story. does, yeah. Once again, that opens up another spot for some of these guys that are really gunning for it. So, or if he wants one more, you know, give one of these guys a shot to a chance to you know even yeah. just move up. Yeah, I I still am like really interested to see what they do with Bo Nickel next. I think he's kind of the outlier. Where yeah. I mean, again, another unranked guy, obviously. Um, Ohio said he wants him too. I know, man. It's gonna be really interesting. Do they give him one of these like young, hungry contenders like a Fluffy or a Kayo? Do they give him Roman Delete? I mean, I just it's so the Bo Nickel thing is just gonna be to me. It's one of the more fascinating things to kind of just sit back and watch right now and see how they're gonna book this guy. Well, I feel like if he he does good in the next fight, maybe one more. They probably save him for like a surprise. Oh, title shot. Nobody else has fought. He hasn't fought this guy yet. Yeah. Like he seems like the type of guy that, you know, you have like an Ian Gary type of build or like a Sean O'Malley type of build. And then you have the Patty builds and, you know, Hamzat build or a Pajera build. So there's a lot of different ways they could go about it, but it'll be interesting. I agree. Next fight, John. Joaquin Buckley defeats Andre Fialu via second round knockout. I mean, add another one to the highlight tape for Buck- Buckley. Yeah. Uh, left head kick lands flush, lands uh, lays Fialu out. Um, man, he did land one follow up shot that definitely was very unnecessary. Well, that ref needed to get more in between. Yes, them. I think it was just one of those heat of the moment things. He was just falling him to the ground. I put the blame on the ref. He kind of like half ass stepped in there, mm-hmm. um, but wow! And, and then he kind of like shoved him off. Like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, well, you kind of like, right? You didn't really step in to protect the fighter. You and Andre isn't him. one of those guys that goes out. He'll get yeah, up well, and, and stumble. He, he wasn't flat out either. Right. You know, he well, he was kind of like smiling, which was just crazy. Like he just That's sent just, him to yeah, another dude. dimension, man, with that kick. But I mean, that is just like literally. Like textbook, you know, wrap the foot around mm-hmm. shin to the head, wrapping the Set foot around perfect, the neck. I mean, man. just beautiful. Um, and maybe he has found his future here at welterweight because I think he looked phenomenal, looked great, even kind of showed some diversity there in the wrestling with the big takedowns early. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot, excuse me, there was a lot of fights at middleweight that I felt like he was kind of just losing because he was so significantly undersized, mm-hmm. you know. So seeing him here against another, you know, welterweight. And Fialu's even kind of a, 
I mean, he's not the smallest welterweight, right. you know, but, you know, just looked really good. And he even said, you know, he feels better at this weight and stuff, which is always interesting when guys come down, especially 15 pounds, you know, typically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he said he's just staying in better shape in between fights, which is kind of he credited to just feeling better. So, right. But just a phenomenal kick here. Yeah, man. I, I thought that it was real the it was really close in the first round. I think they were doing a lot of good exchanges. Like you said, the takedowns were were working effectively, but that yeah. head kick, dude, the Just way you set it up. Nuts. Um, and you know, he talked about like tired of being getting knocked out by middleweight, just being bigger guys. And that's just kind of his fight style leads him to that. Yeah. And he also talked about at the, I mean, first of all, the post fight celebration. Yeah. He had a, pride. he had a burger T moment. I don't know if you, you noticed yes, that. Yeah. Hilarious. Oh, man. And then, um, pouring prime all over himself, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> which he had to apologize for cause they had to clean up yeah, afterwards. I saw that. I saw that. Um, but yeah, man, I I think he's really exciting for welterweight who are yeah. losing some guys and you know guys moving up or just kind of retiring or fading out. I think he's a really welcome thing, and I think his skill set matches up really well with a lot of guys. He did say one of Fialu's uh, teammates can come pick him up, and uh, Fialu trains at Kill Cliff. Now the only welterweights that I know that that I can think of, at least you know, again we're in this age of mixed martial arts where uh, fighters move around mm-hmm. so much, it is kind of hard to sometimes pinpoint where they're at. Um, but a couple of names there of who he could be referencing: Gilbert Burns, Kamara uh-huh. Usman, Vincente Luque, Li Ji Uh I'm not sure Ian which Gary, I believe. Uh, is he at Kill? I think Ian Gary yeah. is at Kill Cliff. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, so <laughs> pick one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know. Even you look at like maybe the leech right right there, but dude, we have said many a time that is not an easy fight. Mm-mm. So he's calling for some heads there. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, who they match him up against. But man, yeah, that is a roster there to be calling out. I mean, you uh, might as well. I mean, you're you already you're coming from fighting guys way bigger than yeah. you, and he, and he had some really good showings even being the smaller dude, guy. Genuinely lost a couple of fights, I thought, because just being too small. Like mm-hmm. there was some of those fights that I think if he was just a bigger human being, he probably wins. Right. As simple and and you know maybe corny as that sounds, but I just think he's one of those guys where the skill sets there. It's just he was fighting in a weight class way too big. Right. Well, and there's one fight that somebody said on Twitter, but I don't think it matches up yet. But down the road, the rematch between him and Holland will be would be yeah. great and hilarious. Yeah, because I think Holland's back at, he's moving back down to 70. He's going to fight. I think he's booked. Yeah, he's booked. It's in the, it's in one of the announcements. Oh, it is? For, okay, uh, I didn't know if that was one that we yep. already, yeah, so I mean, Holland's moving back down. You never know, man. You do never know. But yeah, crazy, man. Crazy knockout finish, and it didn't stop there. No. Well, actually, this one was first, but in the order we do, <laughs> it didn't stop there. Diego Fajeda defeats Michael Johnson via second round knockout. I mean, what else? What else? I mean, how many times can I hit this? I mean, uh, we've said uh, this probably every time we've seen or added a name to our knockout of the list candidates, but Diego Fajeda might have just locked up the award right here. What an overhand right sends Michael Johnson stiff as a board to the mat. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time someone was so out of it that we could audibly hear them snoring in the cage. I mean, and maybe that yeah. was kind of a, that's a, a you know like an apex thing, right? Um, but just kind of came as I felt like Johnson also was really starting to settle into this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, you know, the speed difference, I thought. He was getting the better of the exchanges, in my opinion. He was obviously faster, technical. um, But, man, that was just one little lapse of in defense from Johnson. And Diego made him pay for it, man. Just timed it. The timing of it just kind of looped it over the top there. 
But man, I mean, again, if you did not see this finish, if you did not see this fight, just go on social media. It's got to be somewhere. And it's one of those things where he knocked him stiff to where his head didn't like bang on the mat because he was just like sunk up. Like then the follow up shot, which yeah, and I mean he instantly was just like you know he apologized for that follow up shot, Mm -hmm. but you know he put his hand behind his neck once he kind of like snapped in and realized he was out. I mean he he was trying to hold his head up a little bit. You could tell if he instantly felt bad there. Right, and I and I was telling you somebody put it side by side as it was almost an exact replica of how josh emmett was able to knock out yeah and obviously the level of striking between josh emmett and fajeda is very different sure. that's a jujitsu guy but as you've seen these guys evolve and you think you're safe in a little bit of a range and that yeah that right hand just snuck right over and hit that chin perfect <laughs> Yeah, and good for Fajeda, who also has not fought since December of 2021. He's been sidelined by injuries um, and also came into this fight on a three-fight losing streak. So not only hasn't fought in three or a couple, two years now almost, um, but also was on a three-fight losing streak coming into it. You know, if he loses here, who knows what his future in the mm-hmm. UFC would have looked like. And to come back after all that time and put all your chips in the middle of the table against a veteran like Michael Johnson definitely deserves some praise here from Diego Fajeda. I mean, that's a risky fight to come back Dude. and take after all that time. Well, and then you look at the three people he lost to. Yeah. Benil Darush, Gregor Gillespie, and Matthias Gamrot. Like, these I, are... Yeah, just savages. And I, I even told you guys, because I was looking at, you know, his record, and I'm like, what the heck happened to Gregor Gillespie, man? Yeah. Just, he beats Diego Fajeda, and then just nothing. And you even brought up a good point, is there was people that, and you know, when he was at the time was like, oh, this is how you beat Habib. Like, right. Gregor Gillespie is going to be the guy that's going to beat Habib Nurmagomedov. And mm-hmm. then just like he beats Fajeda, and there is just nothing. I was even kind of like poking around online tr- after I had sent that to you guys. I could find really nothing credible that says where the heck Gregor Gillespie mm-hmm. is. So, Bangkok got him. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe Bangkok got him. I don't know. got sucked in. Uh, also, um, dang, I didn't have in my notes. Um, Chase Hooper making his middleweight or a lightweight debut. I mean, Mm -hmm. got the win there by unanimous decision grappling heavy matchup, which was probably always going to favor a guy like Chase Hooper. But I thought even just physically, he looks so much better Mm -hmm. at 155 pounds. You can tell he's really put on some muscle, looks a little bit bigger. So good for Chase. Who what? Somebody on Twitter put a picture of him and said, it was that spinning back fist account on Twitter. And they Uh said, Chase Hooper said, Islam, I'm coming for you. And Chase Hooper responded, what the heck, man? Yeah, forget that, right? (laughs) And then, uh... The uh, Slavoklav, ba- or Slavoklav's oh, yeah. baby, um, uh, Vyacheslav Borishev, crazy big left rip to the body, mm-hmm. uh, liver shot, TKO. Um, man, if Slav's fighting, I'm watching. I mean, dude. just one of the funnest guys to watch. When you start doing that dance on your back on the, yeah. on the on canvas, dude. Yeah. Different uh, guy. Great body shot, great timing, good card. Um, I had to do the rewatch thing. I was I was out of town a little bit or mm-hmm. gone, so I didn't get to see much more outside of those fights. But uh, good card, good finish. Did you hear the story of the first guy to fight the Thimba? No. He um he trains um basically he said he came to America seven months ago, only had enough money to get to the gym. He said right now when he did the post fight because he won, but during the post fight he said I have seven dollars in my bank account right now. That's crazy. Colby Covington will randomly drop me off food at the gym every now and then to kind of help me out because his family like disowned him after he lost his first fight. Um, What Zimbabwe? So he loses his fight and his family's like, "See, dude." Yeah, they just kind of stop supporting him and showing him money, and then he just he was just big on like Colby Covington to help him. He's a really good guy, but it was just kind of cool to hear the story. I mean, this dude's living in the gym. Um, has seven dollars to his name, and pulls crazy. off a, a, a huge win. Hopefully, uh, the UFC will put a 
couple rounds of seven dollars yeah. in his bank account. Help this guy out a little. That's crazy. I didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, that's all we got. Update on the scores. I'm still in first place with 46 points. I got one for Fluffy. Uh, John, you're in second with 35. You got one for Dern and two for Fluffy Hernandez. You called Fluffy by third round. I believe you said sub, though, and you got the TKO mm. there. But you got the, the you round, got the call it? in the round. Brandon did not submit picks. So yeah. <laughs> he stays at 31. The rich stay richer. The rich do stay richer. And as we said, we got a lot to talk about in the news. So let's get into it. Going on the news. Going on the news. Uh-uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. All right. And what's the biggest news of the week, month, possibly the year? Yeah. Maybe, depending on how it ends up, maybe ever in MMA. <laughs> uh, Francis Ngannou announces he's signing with the PFL in an unprecedented contract that gives him all the things that he was asking for from any other promoters. Uh, in this deal, Francis will receive the following. A two to three fight contract with his first fight will not be taking place in the PFL until mid-2024. Uh, guarantees a seven-figure purse for each fight. He will be the star of their pay-per-view super fight division. A split of event net profits. He will serve as PFL's global athletic uh, advisory board and will be the chairman and an equity owner in PFL Africa. He has the right to his own sponsors in the cage, a non-exclusive with regards to boxing, uh, no championship clause or other extensions, and a minimum salary of $2 million for any opponent he faces. Yeah, man. I mean, this is... Um really just a home run for Francis Ngannou. I mean, you couldn't... It it honestly, to me, it sounds like he just walked in and just said, this is what I want, and the PFL were just kind of willing to give him whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I I think this is also is like one of those things that, you know, we've never seen this before in mixed Mm -hmm. martial arts, and I think that's why this is something that is deserving of a lot of our time today uh, because it is so unprecedented, and we've never seen the guy that was considered... I mean, not even just the best in the division or, I mean, but a guy that is considered for a long time the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I mean, so to see him, you know, walk away from the UFC, bet on himself, and to see it kind of, I mean, at least from what I think where we're standing for Francis Ngannou, if, if nobody else, it worked out, right? Yeah. He got what he wanted. You couldn't ask for more. And while all the while, I think this is this is just big for guys, free agents. I mean, I said, you know, imagine being Derek Lewis or Alexander Volkov or boy, help me out. Who's some other names? Um, I'm trying to think of some, I mean, dude, honestly, anybody that's probably not like your Tom Aspinall's gelatin out of right. If you're like an older guy in the UFC um, heavyweight division and you're kind of just on your way out, um, you only got a fight or two left on your contract. You 100% fight your contract out now at the chance that you may be able to get that $2 million lottery ticket to go fight Francis Ngannou. You know what I mean? The fact that he was able to negotiate that for his opponent as well is just nuts. And it opens up everything. I mean, not even just in the UFC, Bellator as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's probably honestly not a heavyweight in the world right now that would not take a $2 million fight with Francis Ngannou. Oh, you dude. know what I mean? Unless maybe you are like a Tom Aspinall or Almeida who, but even if I think if you ask those guys, they would probably privately admit like, dude, I take that fight. You know dude, what I mean? DC might be, yeah. hey man. <laughs> no, I think DC's done, done. But <laughs> I, I just think, you know, 
finally a guy as well that just was able to not only bet on himself, win for himself, but actually get it done for other people as well. Mm -hmm. You you can't understate how big that is for the sport. Right. And, you know, whether this fails or it it thrives and it just becomes the smartest move ever. Well, it won't fail for Francis. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's, um, you know, Daniel Cormier said one of the things that he quoted about it that I thought was really interesting because you don't think about it, is like this makes MMA free agency like feel Different. real. That's what I'm like, saying. Like this is a real thing yeah. that people can do now yeah. because for the longest it, it was one of those things where guys kind of try their luck. It doesn't go well. Yeah. or You know, some people have had some success in like Bellator and, you know, Mighty Mouse with the sure. trade and stuff, but that's not most people's story. No. And then, you know, just think about like in the NFL or something like, or, <clears throat> you know, if you're a player or in the NBA and like you can go test the free agency, right? You can go out to the market and say, you can find what your value is and come back to your team and Lamar say, Jackson. yeah. And you can say, yeah, you can say, this is what I'm worth. This is what somebody's willing to pay me. You can match it, beat it, whatever. You know, I don't really know how that stuff works. Again, mm-hmm. we say, you know, try not to get too much into the weeds on the money stuff but you can say that and and then in mixed martial arts we've never had a situation now where you can be a you know what 37 38 year old Derek lewis walk out into the free agency market and be like hey pfl will pay me two million dollars for one fight to go fight fight francis now after that i don't know what the longevity but again if you're a guy like Derek lewis i'm just using yeah i'm just saying Derek. i'm just you know because i think he would probably fall into that, you know, like Fabricio Verdum is another guy whose name is already getting thrown out there mm-hmm. as, you know, a potential matchup or whatever. But um, it changes everything for those guys now because there's no way probably if you're the UFC, and not that I necessarily blame them, that you would pay Derek Millis, or Derek Lewis $2 million right. uh, for a fight, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, for one singular fight, even if it was against John Jones, you know. Right. And, and the, you know, the other thing about this is that, this is, you know, Francis proving that it isn't just money that's talking. Because sure. there's a good chance that whatever UFC or one was offering per fight maybe might have been more than this. And it one. seems like that is the case. It seems like, you know, there's been some rumblings of that. That, right. like, over the course of, like, a six, seven fight contract uh, with, like, the UFC, he would have made more money. But in terms of just singular, you know, one-off fights. Because I think you said it's only three Two fights. to three. Yeah, I mean... And there's no extension or championship yeah. clause. And he can go box. Right. They don't get any say in that money or anything like that. So. And even on top of the, you know, the seven figures, or what, I think that's what I read, seven figures. Yeah. He also gets his own sponsors. Yeah. He also gets a cut of the profits of the event. So, yeah. like, he put himself in a position that if he can help them build this brand of theirs, especially their pay-per-view brand because they don't have that yet. Yeah he has a chance to even probably come out better than that. But on yeah. top of all of that, he now gets to be a part of helping fighters. Obviously his opponents will make a, a couple of the opponents will make some good money, but being on boards, being on part of PFL Africa, you know how much talent have we seen come from there? Yeah. And now we're going to get to see him cultivate it for PFL. Yeah. And that has to kind of make some of these other organizations a little bit nervous. Yeah. I mean, dude, he said it. And when he posted it, I'm not just a businessman. I'm the businessman. Yeah. I mean, he Shout literally is now man. the only thing, that you know i could see is you know it does make me worry for a brand like pfl is you know i don't want to see them um you know completely sell their souls and sell you know and and go under because of something like this because they're probably not leaving themselves a lot of room here to really make money i don't know again i'm not well and and we talked about this back when we had the jake paul announcement there's chances with this super fight stuff where they can make really big things happen it's just the Jake Pauls and Francis and some of these guys have to really make it um, a thing. You know, Kayla Harris and some of their other stars are going to have to really sell for this. But if it works, 
you're going to see something. And, and, you know, we were talking about rumors of PFL trying to buy Bellator and things yeah. like that. Like there's things that can really shake this up and make this very, very interesting. Absolutely. So I, you know, I think we're kind of both in agreement here on, you know, home run for Francis you know. fighters. Dude, have you seen all the fighter responses? People are just like, yeah, they didn't think it could happen or yeah. they're very happy for him. And yeah. like, dude, you bet on it. You did what we want. You know, anybody would want to do yeah. in a situation like that. Well, it's what, you know, you said it where DC said, it. I mean, that's perfectly put is it makes free agency seem real now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can literally fight out your contract and feel like, okay, maybe I can go find something. Now there's not going to be many of these deals out there, you know, outside of, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the UFC to go around, but you know, we can get to some of that here and what we're about to do with the clips and stuff um, in terms of like maybe PFL has found some investment where they can start spreading some money, but we'll find out. I mean, that right. remains to be seen. That's all hearsay for now. Um, but yeah, big news. And then, um, so what we're going to do is last night, post Hill Dern card, you know, Dana spoke to the media um, and we're just going to kind of play through some of these like little clips here and there. Um, again, you know, we're not trying to make him sound like he was saying something he wasn't. You can go find all this online. We just took a little bit off of um, the UFC's uh, YouTube channel, just some little clips, highlights and stuff. And you can go listen for yourself and make your own determination. But um, this is the first clip where he's kind of talking about uh, Francis with in terms of risk. And the day that we released him, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And uh, Francis wants to take zero risks. Doesn't want to take any chances. Um, and he d- obviously didn't want to take a chance against John Jones. And after we saw what happened with Cyril gone, you know, I, I don't blame him. I think the outcome would have been exactly the same. And I'm sure most of you do, and I'm sure Francis does too. Um. So he kind of went on there to say that, um, you know, he's like, I'm not, you know, he isn't, he's, he isn't saying what he kind of said after that is he isn't saying Francis is afraid to fight John Jones. He mm-hmm. just doesn't want to take any risk, which I don't really know how you get one without the other there. Uh, I think is what he was kind of trying to insinuate mm-hmm. is that he was afraid of him. Cause like I said, I don't, I don't see how you can say he's not afraid, but then he doesn't want to take risk. Um, I don't know, man. I guess my thought is I think leaving the UFC was a big risk. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying there's not actual real risk involved in fighting who I sit here and still think is not just the greatest uh, mixed martial – I mean, probably the greatest heavyweight. I I will still argue that. But obviously one of the greatest mixed martial arts, the greatest of all time, John Jones. There's a lot of risk in that. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of risk in what he did as well. You know, that this could have all failed. Right. There could have never have been a PFL. A lot of people swore it would. Yeah. I, and I, I'd, I hadn't seen it uh, confirmed, but I read that there's um they were verbally agreed for about a month or so, yeah. which would explain the whole him telling people calm down. Oh, this is me fumbling in the bag because you guys just don't know it. Sure. But I, I think that's kind of crazy to say for a guy who fought for a title in his last fight with two blown out knees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's too. that's risk because yeah, he loses risk. that fight. He has none of this leverage. And against a guy that you know a lot of people thought had everything the tools to beat him right you know and even showed off a different side of his game yeah i don't i I don't you want to talk about risk this guy's gonna try to do a boxing match before he tries to book pay-per-views as you know the one of the bigger pay-per-view draw i mean the biggest for that company but like you know you go out and stink it up in a boxing match you might not be able to sell as many pay-per-views so he's the ultimate risking it for himself to me 
Right, yes. Exa- I think that's more what I'm trying to say is it's it's just not the risk that the UFC wanted him to take. That's right. what it is. And and again, that's that's his decision. But there is still risk in what Francis did. We're going to play the next cl- clip here and where he discussed uh, this essentially being like a gimmick or, you know, gimmick fighting. We'll, we'll, we'll play the clip here. PFL is going to pay this guy to train for a boxing match that may not even happen and that they might not even be involved in. How, how does that make any sense? It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, Anthony Joshua called it a gimmick fight this week. You know, he, he, when asked about that fight, he's like, I'm focused on fighting the best guys in the world. You know, I'm not interested in the gimmick fight right now. And that's one of the big problems with boxing right now is it's, it's all about these gimmicky type fights. And that's just not what I do here. It's not what I do. I, I put on fights with the best fighters in the world and, and, and fights that people want to see. Francis could have done a, a deal here. So he's saying they don't do gimmick fights. And Dana does say this a lot, but Brock Lesnar, James mm-hmm. Tony, CM mm-hmm. Punk, mm-hmm. Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather, mm-hmm. all things that I would consider gimmicky fights that Dana White has been involved with booking. Um, now Brock did go on to win a world title. You know, so... On the surface, when he came in, though, it was a bit of a gimmicky fight, to which Dana even said he wanted nothing to do with a WWE guy coming into the UFC, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, by the way, he also said he'd never say never to Jake Paul in the UFC and told Logan Paul on his podcast that he, when Logan asked about fighting in the UFC, his response was, I'm not saying no. Again, gimmicky fights. Um, And he justified that with Logan by saying, you wrestled in high school, right? To which Logan answered yes. He's like, yeah, plus, you know, you got the boxing background. Um, So I guess my only thought is if high school wrestling and a couple gimmicky boxing matches is enough of a resume to fight in the UFC, then Nganu's UFC and mixed martial arts experience should definitely be enough for him to cross over into boxing, right? Right. Am I kind of crazy for thinking that? No, I mean, even the Conor Floyd thing. Like, obviously, Conor had a little bit of a boxing background, but not Olympic level, you know, Floyd. Like, you're talking about the greatest boxer, arguably, of all time. Sure. And you want to know why it wasn't a gimmick to you? Because you got money off of it. Right. Exactly. And, and, and again, I, I'm not saying any of those things that I just listed that Dana has booked or been involved with were bad. I think you, you got to take a risk on CM Punk. Well, this is take, entertainment. Yeah. Let's not act like this is always the best fighter versus the best fighter. And when you listen to the clip where he was on, <clears throat> I went back and listened to it today, the Logan Paul thing. is it, It's weird because the whole time, again, and, and, and let me say, I don't want this to seem like it's an attack to Dana White or anything. Um, it's just kind of a response to what he's saying um, as two fans. This is just right. our response. It's not us saying that he's wrong or whatever. But in that interview, he because he, he does say in that clip, you can go look it up, is he does say essentially that, you know, we don't do these kind of gimmicky fights. But then he also says, I'll never say never. So he does try to walk that line of like, you know, what, and, and he does say it's what the fans want and this and that and um, we, I didn't get the clip, but he said, you know, something to the extent of, you know, the Connor Floyd thing happened, you know, Francis thinks that he has this big boxing match on the line and he really doesn't have it at all. And, and I could kind of see that from Dan, you know, what Dana's saying there, because it's not, I mean, Tyson Fury has said he would, but like, 
it's not like we've ever heard of advanced talks or contracts mm-hmm. being exchanged. So, you know, Francis thinking that he can do it is a lot different than, you know, Floyd's team reaching out and being like, you know, let, let's do this. Like, mm-hmm. here's the con, you know, the, you know what I'm saying? So I do kind of get what he's saying there as well as where are the talks? We don't know, but I'm guessing he does. And mm-hmm. he probably knew there's just not a lot to that right now. You right. know what I mean? So, well, I think my response for this comes from, there was two ways that you respond to this. When they asked Francis about Dana White, he basically said, we had talks. It didn't go the way I wanted. Right. I wish them the best. I'm doing what I want sure. to do. Great. When they asked Dana, it's going on the defensive because you know people are going to sure. call him out for you know maybe letting Francis go or he's yeah. like trying to save face is what it feels like. Yeah. And it makes him sound bitter almost to an extent where it's like like when you break up with a girlfriend, it's like wow, well, this dude's short and he stinks and he's this sure. and, and you're not doing you're not doing better than me. Yeah. And that's what this feels like. Whereas there's yeah. room for Francis to do everything he's wanting to do and the UFC to still do everything they are doing. Yeah, you just want to control the narrative. You know, right. when you're a big business and a big brand like the UFC, you don't want to make it seem like you got got right, right. or that you lost or you came in second place. Um, and that's what a good business should do as a businessman in Dana White's position. I don't, he's not doing anything that I don't think anybody else wouldn't do. You know, this is what you do when you're a business like that, you know, like the NFL or anything else. Roger Goodell would probably be doing the same thing if Tom Brady decided he was going to go play in the USFL or Mm -hmm. something. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, then I think there's also a level where it could have just been, wish him the best don't know how it's going to go for him like it's just stopping there like yeah to, to go into some of the details because like even like the whole calling him scared and well, all this thing, or he, afraid to risk it for john afraid, jones he was afraid of the risk so yeah we don't want to misquote yeah him. but that, that type of stuff you know it's it's kind of petty yeah in the I'm, situation that they're in again he yes but he did say i'm not i don't think he's afraid to fight him right he just doesn't want to it's and again i think it comes back to it's just and kind of what you were saying, it's just not the risk. It's just not the agenda. It's not the storyline that they wanted to have. Right. Um, Dana then went on to talk a lot of business type stuff and money things, which on the surface, again, a lot of it, not knowing details, I do agree and I do see what he's saying. Again, uh, we've always been pretty open. As I said earlier, we don't like to talk money and stuff uh, because it goes over our heads. We're, right. not, we're not business guys. We don't have finance degrees and mm. things like that. Uh, but Dana is a very savvy business guy. Uh, so what he's saying here is probably right. And I said, you know, I do think PL, PFL is taking a big financial risk here, mm-hmm. but they know that they've got, got they've got smart guys running their books and then they, they know what they're doing. And yeah, they're kind of going all in here for Francis. Right. And I, I totally get it. Um, but there is some risk. And then, you know, he did go on to mention that he's hearing that I think Dubai or something is mm-hmm. they've. PFL has found an investor for like 200 million or two, $300 million. And there's the rumors that they may buy Bellator as well. So they're making a push here, and again, I'm sure you know he's their top dog, right? You know, right. you got to control the top. Well, and they've had such a stranglehold on everything for so long that nobody else has made a big enough wave sure. to take away from what they're doing. And I think that's what this Francis thing kind of did. Last clip, and he's just talking about uh, him not fighting a champion in PFO. You know, right now when you think about it, he's going to this company. I don't know what they're paying him or what's going on or any of that stuff. He, he's not even fighting their champions. You know what I mean? He wants to box. He signs with this company, and he's not even willing to fight their champions right now. He's fought three times in the last three years, and he's, it's been like 18 months since he's fought, and from what I'm hearing, he's not going to fight for another year. All the stuff that's being talked about, it's all bullshit by the media. The media is creating all this bullshit. It's, it's just, it's like, I... I so I, I, I understand what he's saying here. Um, 
but I think he's probably just a little unsure of the PFL product. I bet he right. just doesn't understand it fully or their format. Um, the fighters, including the current reigning champ, uh, Ante Delia, they're in season right now. Right. Um, the PFL won't crown a new heavyweight champion until sometime late November. That's that's mm-hmm. when they typically do it. Maybe kind of you could move into early December, depending. You know, I don't know. But typically late November is when they do the finals, the season finale there. Um, but definitely sometime at the end of the year, which in theory could mean Francis faces the champion, the current PFL, mm-hmm. whoever that is at the end of the year, in Q1 of 2024 on a super fight card. There's a chance that that right. could happen. They could work out that way, and that could be maybe what he's waiting for. Right. Um, but I do agree with the idea of what Dana is saying, and I think uh, the root and the root of what he's trying to say, and, and I do agree with it somewhat, is I think, personally, um, the PFL needs to have Francis's first fight be against the season champion. I, mm-hmm. I just feel like they do for the product. Um, they need to showcase their talent because I do think they have it. Yeah. I, you know, Dana did reference how the current champ again, Ante Dilia, uh, lost to Tibera, but that was back in 2015. Right. Uh, and Bruno Capeloza, who I believe won it two years ago. Um, he lost to Yuri Prohashka again. That was a while ago. Um, but I do think the PFL has a couple of heavyweights, including those two guys, who could come in and compete with the top 15 in the UFC. I genuinely, mm-hmm. sincerely do believe that. So I do think Francis's first fight should be against one of these guys or whoever wins. Uh, but if it's on the super fight card, they probably aren't going to do that, if right. we're being honest, because it probably wouldn't sell that well. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably have to buy a heavyweight like a Fabricio Verdum or whoever is out there at the time. Um, or who knows, you know, maybe these this Bellator news is legit. And by then, if these rumors are true, it'll open up even more options because then in theory, all those guys would technically be PFL or whoever, whatever, if they roll it into a new company. Right. I don't know. Um, but it does need, I do think it needs to be somebody, you know, especially these guys that have been here doing the, you know, putting in the ground, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 um, they've been kind of grafting and trying to build this PFL product. They should reward, I think somebody from this season and really showcase their talent because I do think there's real talent over there. Right. Well, and I, and I think, you know, that, cause when we, we announced the, the super fight division, it was, it's going to be separate from everything. Right. Um, and, and, f- and that's a fair argument too, is they, they never promised us that it was going to be season winners. Right. And know? he's not signing on to be in the heavyweight division. Right. He's signing on to be in the super and that's fight. A fair argument and that's why that. it's two to three fights and sure. not, you know, seven, eight. But also you have this thing where, you know, yeah, is he not fighting until next year? Cause he wants to do the boxing thing. But if you're really trying to build up this pay-per-view, wouldn't it make more sense for him to go out there and bring more viewers from something like the boxing yeah. and bring them into the first PFL? Like even if he has a decent showing against a decent guy, that's more people that brings it into your yeah. first pay-per-view. And that's just going to help PFL even more. But like you said, the Bellator thing is real. Him and Ryan Bader is a great fight. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple good fights over there as well. That's what I'm saying. You just, you don't know how this whole thing's going to work out. And again, I don't think he said anything too off the cusp for me where I'm like, oh, he's just being like borderline disrespectful. You know, he he did have nice things to say about the PFL and the people mm-hmm. over there and stuff. Um, I just think he doesn't fully understand the product or what right. it is fully. And that and that's fine, too. He doesn't have to. He's, and I do think the whole he hasn't fought in a year and you're paying this guy thing is kind of interesting because John Jones set out three years. Then you just gave him a huge contract. Sure. So I think obviously John Jones is on there on their roster though and, right. and francis isn't so Absolutely. it's again it's just yeah it's just posturing that and, and that's yeah. how it goes but it as a as a um, 
as a fan who's like excited that Francis was able to do this, hearing that side of it is kind of just like, all right, man, we'll just yeah. let the guy have his moment. Like, and I know for business wise, like you said, you yeah. kind of have to control some of that. And they did some more of that later on that day. And we'll get to that, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into that. Yeah, Big so, announcements out of the UFC. So shortly after the news of Francis signing, the UFC made some big announcements of their own and a huge move. Dana White announced the UFC 291 main card for Salt Lake city. In it, we will have a fan favorite BMF title being put up for grabs after being vacated um, by Masvidal's retirement. And the main event is Dustin Poirier will be fighting against familiar foe and Justin Gaethje. Yeah. Huge fight. Yeah, um, it'll be a good rematch. Um, and then, like I said, they're bringing back the BMF title. So they're, we I, talked about uh, if they're going to keep that alive or not. Again, and, though, another kind of gimmicky thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not even a real thing. <laughs> you, you and you didn't even take it from the person who had it. Well, yeah, you countered your whole gimmicky thing there with a gimmick. So You should have to beat Bilal to get it, right? Because Gilbert beat Masvidal. Well, actually, Colby beat I mean, him. No, so yeah, I, I think somebody did it. I think the lineal BMF champ is Leon Edwards. I think somebody. <laughs> I want to say somebody did it, and that's how it shook out. But I can't remember. Yeah, I feel like I saw that somewhere though. So that's obviously that's the headline for this two ninety one card. Also on that card, we have Jan Blahovich will be meeting former middleweight champion Alex Pajeda for the, his introduction into the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I love that fight. Huge fight. Um, chance for Blahovich to have wins over the last two middleweight champions that's an interesting aspect of this yeah i just and i said a couple weeks ago i thought this was the fight they would make it just makes so much sense and how they've booked Pedeta up to this point and and i think it, it's a great matchup i mean mm -hmm. it's not like they're giving him a this is a tough fight you know and uh but i do think uh it just falls so perfectly with how they've booked him and, it, and it'll keep lining up that way mm -hmm. i think um, also number because you, you don't give him Makomed Uncle Lai right. or you know somebody so well and then this gives Pajeda a chance to get to the belt quick sure. he wanted to get yeah. it to it early and then Dana said he had to beat a couple guys first yeah so. if he beats if he beats you know Jan he's next for the belt for sure right uh, number five middleweight Paulo Costa will be fighting unranked Ikram Aslakarov yeah um, I think he's from the Contender Series. That's about all I know from. I did hear there's like some storyline between him and Hamza. I don't know if he's beat yeah, Hamza before. Or yeah, he. They kind of liked it to Pajeda and Izzy. I don't know if it was that bad, but I know Hamza. Yeah, I think maybe he beat him in like a grappling. But like Hamza, actually, I thought I had saw that he had said like really like nice things about him in terms of like being one of the toughest guys he's ever faced. Mm -hmm. So, And I've heard a lot of people say how tough this guy is, but yeah. once again, it's just another high-ranked guy fighting somebody we're not super familiar with. Mm -hmm. And it's either going to look like a genius move or yeah, it's going to look like, what are we doing here? I can't remember if you sent it or I saw it somewhere. I don't remember, but I saw something where somebody brought up a good point. It was like, but when you look at Paulo, pa or Paulo Costa, I don't, th it was like, he hasn't beat anybody. In all his fight, all his wins are people who are not no longer in yeah. the UFC. So is it that far of a stretch that he's fighting somebody unranked? I mean, well, it's, it's tough when you have him at number five. It is tough, but they also don't control the rankings. The media right. does. So, um, Tony Ferguson also on the card will be fighting Bobby Green. I um, love that fight. That's going to be fun. Interesting seeing Tony Ferguson getting booked so soon after the DUI yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know the UFC. That don't stop. <laughs> uh, and then finally on the main card, Michael Chiesa will be fighting Kevin Holland, yeah. um, which we talked about earlier. But a main card for 291 right after. He also announced that Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley will be for UFC 292 in Boston for the title. Yeah. Since Aljo has kind of said it depends on what my body says, but we're going to try to make it happen. He commented on that in this post-fight presser. Yeah, I seen is that. Not happy. Yeah, yeah. Which he said he verbally agreed to, which this could be the UFC scrambling to make sure make the biggest announcement possible. Um, I don't know, man. Because we also had this problem with Figgy and Manel Cop. 
um, where it's like, oh, we announce it and then it's not, but then it is and it's not. So hopefully that stays on because yeah. that's a huge fight for Boston. Um, also fighting for a title on that card will be Amanda Limoges. She faces current champ Zhang Wei Li. Mm-hmm. Um, huge chance for Limoges here. Um, I thought yeah. I thought Yan Shanang was going to get the shot at Wei Li, but if you're going to try to do a China card, you probably have to do it later and yeah. give you more time to set it up. Sure. So as long as she wins that fight and Yan wins hers, um, that can still be a thing. And not as much of a needle mover, but a matchup I know we'll be excited f- about is Andre Muniz will be welcoming Paul Craig to the middleweight division in UFC it. London. Great matchup. Two, two great grapplers as well. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah, so just, uh, I mean, that that was all just back-to-back-to-back-to-back to, yeah. back to, back to, back, um, to was, try to... It was definitely a counter to the Francis news, yeah. for sure. But again, they're a big business. Dude, that's what you do. Yeah, no, you it, gotta. It is, it is what you do. So, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want this to be like... I, I think, honestly, this is just Francis wins, the UFC still the UFC, mm-hmm. and, and I think we can make it all work together as yeah. MMA fans. Well, as like, as like music fans, we know a lot of times yeah. you'll see artists like come out the same day, sure. or if, if an artist announces a big tour, somebody else will be like, guess what? I'm doing it the same day. That's what dates. it's all about, and man. Yeah, competition is there. And then you get Drake that, you know, talks about people moving off of his release dates. That's what you do. <laughs> right. That is what you do when you're in competition. Um, next bit of news we have is USADA officials confirm in a statement that Conor McGregor is expected to rejoin um, the anti-doping program for drug testing in advance of his next fight. The statement arrived after McGregor said that's done when asked about getting back into the pool. USADA basically said that uh, we've been in direct contact with Conor, and as of today, they said that he should be receiving his paperwork for coming out of retirement, re-entering the pool, and then being subject to the UFC's anti-doping where he has to be in it for six months and provide at least two negative samples before being permitted permitted to compete. Dana announcing after uh, the UFC Vegas post-fight that the date of the McGregor-Chandler fight will be announced on the Ultimate Fighter show. Yeah. I do know that there's... Um, i seen somebody tweet that there's a Vegas card in December. And that's seven months from now, so that's probably what we're looking at. But that makes a lot of sense. Um, be yeah, a great. Like you know, they usually do one last you know big fight yeah. before the end of the What's year. What's bigger than that? Yeah, it'd be the biggest. Yeah. Um, and you know they've released the trailer for the Ultimate Fighter. Looks amazing. Oh, I, can't I can't wait, wait. to tune I, in. When's the last time you were excited for Ultimate Fighter? <laughs> Kimbo. Yeah, the the heavy heavyweight. Weight. Yeah, yeah uh, Rashad versus uh, uh, Rampage. Rampage. Yeah. 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 Um. So that that's huge, and then obviously you know the McGregor Forever came out on Netflix. I haven't got a chance to watch it. No, yet. I haven't either. I I've heard I, I've heard really good things. <clears throat> Another one I was excited for was McGregor Faber. Right. That season. Yeah. So McGregor, man, that's what it is. Yeah. So now we finally got an idea of what it's looking like. Yeah. Um, did you see the? You saw the trailer. You said did you see the like the one where it was the clip of them in the. Oh, they, when they're talking about it, it might be at 85. They you do what I want. Like, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, boy. And the push, dude. Yeah, it's this, like, this is going to be It's great. crazy. Uh, the last bit of news we have is Saturday night saw one of the best boxing matchups of the year as Devin Haney put all his titles on the line to face Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, extremely close fight um, with more close rounds was than clear ones. I mean, it's I, tough. Again, I, 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 I you go, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I said, I personally had Loma winning seven to eight rounds of the 12, uh, could be nine round 10, 11 being the only clear rounds for either fighter and Loma claiming those easily fight went to a decision. Judges gave it to Haney 116, 112. And then the other two, 115, 113. Um, the two judges that gave it the 15, 13, had they gave Loma the 12th round, it would have been a majority draw. Uh, I won't yell robbery, but I do think in a close, it was a close fight, but the fact that none, no judges gave it to Loma at all. And the way that that 11-16, 11-12 added up just, 
adds to the bad stigma that cursed boxing judging is a thing, and it's yeah. it's it sucks for a fight like this that was so huge. Yeah, I just texted you after the decision was read, and I said I just don't get boxing. Yeah, I mean, because when when my mixed martial arts little baby mixed martial arts <laughs> eyes watch that. I see Lomachenko winning that fight. Well, and it's not even your eyes. Um, I, I haven't seen literally outside of the people commentating who's like, oh, there's a chance that, you know, this could be yeah. a thing. All I've heard is either it's a draw or Loma wins. And, and I think, and again, like, it, this isn't me, like, going, because I, I mean, I watched it. I watched the mm -hmm. fight. I, I want to see these big boxing matches. I really enjoy them. I mean, I, I watched Tank Garcia, another fun one that was great to watch. Um, but it, it just, it puts such a cloud over the sport of boxing because, I feel like the thing about MMA is as a casual, you can watch mm -hmm. and you can watch. And at the end of it, you pretty much haven't, I mean, unless it's a close fight. Now, again, there's definitely been, MMA has had their fair share of right. terrible decisions and it's not going to stop. You no. know, it'll keep coming. But I would say you can watch most mixed martial arts fights. And at the end, somebody that has no idea what they're watching can generally have an idea of who won that fight. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, and like, that's why I was like, I just, I guess I just don't get, because I'm like, I'm watching and I'm, I feel like I see a clear victor here. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, yeah, there was definitely Haney won some rounds in there for sure. It wasn't like a wash, but, and there was some that close second rounds. half of the fight. Yeah. Dude, I, I just, I don't get it. And that's, and that's what I'm saying is like, I just, it does put such a sour spot on the sport mm -hmm. because it's like you can't just tune in as a cat. You know, there's not a lot of week-to-week -week or, heck, even month-to-month -month boxing watchers. A lot of people like myself just tune in for the big fights. And, right. Um, to not be able to tune in just even in that capacity and just know. I can go watch WWE. I was a, a childhood fan of WWE. Mm -hmm. I could turn on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown this week, and I can go through and tell you who's going to win every match. Right. Because I just understand it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I understand the storylines. I know how they book guys and matches. I don't know anything about it. I'm not a week-to-week -week watcher. I can watch pay-per-views, and I know what's going on. And right. You know what I'm saying? Does yeah. that make sense? Like, I don't know. No, and, and it's, it is definitely disappointing, man. I, I feel like... Um, and I've and I've seen this before, unfortunately, as a Triple G fan, because I felt like the, his first fight with Canelo that ended up being a draw. I felt like Triple G had won that one. Yeah. Um, and and it's and it sucks for this to you know we've seen it happen in MMA sometimes, but it's not usually the big fight. You get yeah. the best guys for that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying MMA is innocent of this. It it happens and it's going to keep. It's a part of. You know, it is a bit subjective, but it just seems like it happens so much in boxing. Yeah, well, and, and it's not even, and it's hard to say the, the so much as much as like not seeing like the smaller fights, but it's happening on these fights the that bigger, really, really yes. matter. Yeah, and good, it's, yeah. um, and it sucks for as a, as a Lomachenko fan, it sucks because I mean this guy, I mean, he only has seventeen pro fights because he had two hundred amateur fights, right. two time gold um, medal winner. Um, has had a had the fight with Tiafimo Lopez where he's had the shoulder injury. Second half of that fight, he kind of turns it on and makes that debatable, but he loses. And then this fight, I felt like he really turned it on. In the 11th round, he outpunched him like 20 to 2. Yeah. Had him hurt, almost finished him. And, you know, boxing does 10-8 rounds as well. And I felt like that could have easily have been one, especially if he would have actually got a full-on knockdown. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's definitely disappointing. But Shakur Stevenson was in the ring, said that he thought Loma won. And then he said that Haney and his dad got out the or got yeah. out the ring immediately and didn't want to talk no trash and set that up. Um, yeah. But that's a huge fight for Devin Haney if he decides to stay oh, down yeah. at, um, at 135. I agree. And what I say to Loma, 
if you don't want the producer all in the videos, the record <laughs> label all in the videos, come to the U. Come to the mixed martial arts, Loma. He's oh got, man! I mean, why not? He, you know, he's getting up there in age. Uh, we know he has he he's, he has the wrestling background, right? Sambo, is yeah. That what it is. He's got a Sambo background. He or did something? that. Um, he actually when he signed with Venom, there was a whole bunch of footage of him like kicking, like kickboxing yeah, and stuff. He's, he's dude. You saw it in the Haney fight. He's got a nice little duck under. Listen, uh, takedown, dude. <laughs> if you want to really see something, look up Lomachenko versus TJ Dillashaw. They sparred. Yeah, and TJ Dillashaw was lost. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Just come on over to mixed martial arts. Just forget this boxing stuff. You're getting up there in age. <laughs> They're, they're going to keep robbing you, man. Right. Come over to Mixed Martial Arts. Become a world champion. You know what it is. You won't be a gimmick. No, you won't be a gimmick. John, what's your song of the week? My song of the week is going to be Beastie Boys Sabotage. Nice. Heard it on a, on a show I was watching the other day. I was like, oh, yeah. That's the one. And what is your one for the people? My one for the people is two things. One, shout out to my nephew who's now at the age where he wants to mow my yard for money. <laughs> Been waiting for that for years. You like that? Oh, dude. <laughs> and also, uh, shout out to... UFC prison pools. Your boy got a cracked ice, has nice. bulla, baby. Where'd you get that? Would you, would you uh, get? Blaster at Target, dude. No way. I got a regular what? one. I got a, a, a um, cracked Islam. ice Islam. What's that worth? Have you looked it up? I haven't looked it up yet. I have a regular Hasbulla. I got awesome. a Jack Della rookie cracked ice. Uh, Almeida, Man, dude. That's a nice little blaster. Oh, dude, that's two blasters, and I got all this. Like, I'll Man. have you look through it, but nice because optic put me in a hold. Yeah. I get nothing. I got I probably bought like eight blasters of that and got nothing. I had the best luck in H2. I need to get back on some uh, UFC H2. Well, you might watch that for us uh, on a kickback. I know we've been talking about yeah, it. Yeah, we need so. to do that. Yeah, we got a kickback coming up soon. What is it, two weeks now? We'll have a kickback. Yeah, because we'll have no fights next, and then we'll have the Kai yeah. uh, Kara France, yeah, and then after that. Yeah, so, and with the Car Car France, no UFC next week, so we'll have something fun for next Monday's episode. I, I was kind of thinking, we'll kick some stuff around. One thing I was thinking is maybe we do, like, our top five darkest days in mixed martial arts. Oh, like, gee, I don't know if I'm well, I think that, that would be fun, like, <laughs> the, like, the top five darkest moments in our mixed martial arts fandom. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Maybe too know. dark and too light. Maybe yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe we mix it up. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we'll definitely have something different next week uh, with their, we'll only be previewing the Kai Kara fight, so mm-hmm. enjoy your memorial day no fights this weekend um also i have some fun interviews coming up this week on mma underground uh so keep a lookout uh you do never know if guys are going to show up schedules change you never know so i won't guarantee it Mm -hmm. um but I do uh, keep your eye out on our IG because we'll, we'll share them there in our stories. Um, I had a great talk with the crochet boss, Maurice Green, this last week, yeah. which is already up on, on uh, MMA Underground's YouTube. You can go check that out as well. Um, and my last thing, um, this is something uh, that may not resonate with some people, uh, but it's kind of one of those, like, if you know, you know type mm-hmm. things. Um, this week, Coliseum Combat promoter Mark Slater, who's been on the podcast, mm-hmm. posted that he is uh, selling, he put his, uh, the Coliseum Combat cage up for sale. Um, and for people to, that don't know, uh, Coliseum Combat is a local... MMA promotion that has developed a great reputation, not just mm-hmm. locally, but in the whole Midwest. Right. Um, now, he has not officially confirmed that this is the end, but it is believed that this kind of means that Uncle Mark is stepping away and this will be the end of Coliseum Combat, unless somebody wants to come in and carry the torch, which I would be happy if that happened. Not going to bank Investors? on Investors? Possibly me. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Um, and I'm sure this was a tough de- decision for right. him regardless. Um, and, and again, he hasn't like formally, at least I've missed something, mm-hmm. but a lot of people kind of insinuate, you know, he, he hasn't 
people have kind of said their well wishes and he hasn't said like, Oh no, you know, I'm just right. getting a new one or something. So I'm sure that that this is the I think end. He made a comment talking about promoting is like a young man's game now to yeah. him and, and some sure, other things. Sure, and just a lot of, you work. know, he's, I mean, he's go had back. to find new venues and all types it's of things. Ever since we used to have a convention center here mm -hmm. locally. And ever since it went out, he's just struggled. He tried to move around different markets. You can go listen to our Matt talk with him. We did it uh, last year sometime, but you scroll back in our feed and you'll find it and you can hear it's not an easy gig, man. This mm -hmm. is a tough thing. Um, and I'm sure, like I said, regardless, I'm sure this was a hard decision for him. Um, but I just hope it's coming from a place of happiness and peace for him and his family. Um, but I just want to make sure that <clears throat> we personally thank him for all that he's done for the sport locally. Um, he's helped launch careers of many fighters um, who went on to fight for the UFC, Bellator, Strike Force, and a every promotion. I mean, he's facilitated mm -hmm. and helped launch careers of these guys and girls. Um, he's given opportunities to people that we consider to be friends and family um, who wanted a chance to not just live out their dreams in the sport, but also do it locally in front of their fr friends and family. Mm -hmm. He gave them the chance to be that, to be local heroes. We know people, we train with guys that, uh, you know, you go out in public and then they're stopped because they're, they're like local heroes, right? right? Um, for what they did. And because he was willing to, to give that opportunity he also created something um, that brought people to the sport in our area. Uh, generations of fans and fighters were created because of Coliseum Combat, um, and it was uh, many people's first experience or introduction to the sport around this, you mm -hmm. know, in, in our area. And, and I know we can't express um, all that he has done for the sport through our words, but I guess a simple thank you will do for now. Um, you know, we have obviously like a local sports hall of fame, the Howard County Sports Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. I think his name needs to be in, entered sure. into that um, again just a pioneer for what he's done um, and, and just a, like I said just a simple thank you from us because um, you can't really put into words everything. well there's no Neon Belly podcast that's a good point I mean think about this because our connection with Brandon comes from the gym that comes sure. from Dino fighting there yeah. and us getting into that oh, yeah. and then even just cultivating our interest in it we can yeah. go see it in our hometown yeah. oh man this is great then you're seeing it on TV yeah. then you're seeing guys from that you've seen in your hometown yeah. go to there like it just it's it's a hundred percent why yep. we're here today for an, to to an extent. No, absolutely. So, um, again, just wanted to make sure that that we got that out there. And and, and he's you know he's Uncle Mark. So got right? the card show. You got <laughs> fighters out there, man. Yeah, he's yeah. still out here doing his thing. But absolutely. So. Um, Long live Coliseum Combat. Like mm -hmm. I said, man, I wish somebody would pick it up and, and keep it going. But And even if not, hopefully in the future something else gets created around here or something because it it's been such a joy. to like and, and, again, you know, we do train locally, you know, at Gaha. So a lot of guys from the mm -hmm. gym fight, and, you know, you get to see it. But And maybe that's where it means, you know, you see these guys that just have a dream or just want to do it. Right. You know, maybe not even want to pursue it just have the guts to do it just want to get yeah just want to go out there and test themselves man and just, just to have a platform like that locally but yep so that's all we got again come back next monday i don't know what i really like the dark days man. yeah i want, I want to cry a little <laughs> like uh, what would francis say get your tissues there you go get your <laughs> tissues i like that famous last words come back next week we'll be here enjoy your memorial day stay safe uh -huh, until then uh -huh. peace, peace.